We're, we're actually continuing our Ephesians series today, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 8 to 16. And we called that, uh, we're calling this gifted. So if you're taking notes, write gifted on top of your notebook. Um, and if you're not taking notes, I don't know, probably should. At least write like one, at least one thing that impacted you, you know. Um, whatever it is that maybe God's been speaking to you. Because I think whenever God moves, it seems that he also speaks. I don't necessarily have a verse for that. I just have experience that says that. And a lot of times when God's moving, there's something he's pushing onto our hearts. Um, I'm going to read uh, 8 to 16 really quick. But I want you guys to uh, please keep in mind, uh, we are referencing, this is directly in response to a message that Pastor John preached almost a month ago now, where he preached Ephesians 4, 1 to 7. And if you remember those verses, it's essentially God just saying the church is united, that Paul is writing about the unity of the church. And he uses things, he says, one God, one spirit, one body, one baptism, right? Like these words that he's pushing through Ephesians chapter 4, uh, that he opens up the chapter by saying, live a life worthy of your calling. And then what is that calling? The calling was just unity, right? And I think so often we dishonor God and the call on our lives by thinking that our call is about us having some kind of platform, right? Because when he says, live a life worthy of your calling, he immediately says, be one. There's one God, one baptism. Stir one another up in love. He just starts to talk this kind of talk because ultimately your calling is to be a child of God and a part of the church. Uh, and I mean the spiritual ecclesia, uh, but he does call us all to certain places to worship together. Amen. Uh, so with that in mind, because that's literally what Paul is saying, we're going to jump straight into verse 8, and we're going to run right forward. Therefore, it says, uh, so therefore is the unity, right? The unity is, you know, whenever you see a therefore, you should always pause long enough to see what it's there for, right? Like when you're studying the Bible, like if any sentence starts with a therefore, you should stop because... You need to know what's happening before it if you're going to understand what's being said now, right? Uh, but therefore, it says. Now, it is the Bible, and I love when this kind of stuff happens uh, because here's what we're in a moment right now where the Bible is quoting the Bible, which I think is hilarious, uh, but it also really works. You see, like Abraham, uh, when God makes a promise to Abraham, and, and Abraham basically says, like, God, like, like how do I know that you'll actually keep your word. God's like, oh, I swear to God. You know, uh, the Bible says later, it's like in God having nothing higher to place a promise upon, placed it upon himself, uh, right? And so God is actually pretty self-referencing in his own word. Uh, and it's like moments where it's like God speaks words, like God, how do I know you're gonna speak? How, how do I know it's gonna come to pass? It's like, because I'm, I'm God, right? And so when the Bible quotes the Bible, it's because ultimately this is all one big story. And it's like, hey, this has been said before. I'm not telling you anything new, right? Because what I find so interesting about the New Testament church is when they talk about the scriptures, they're not talking about the New Testament. They're talking about the Old Testament, right? That even the apostles and the people who followed after, they still held the Old Testament in high esteem. It just had to all be seen through the lens of Jesus Christ and his spilt blood, right? The Old Testament is still relevant to today. The Old Testament is still in effect today. Jesus said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And actually, you see practicing Jewish people, even like Peter and, and, and stuff, they still practice the Old Testament law. 
They didn't get rid of it, right? They just said in the book of Acts, hey, but the Gentiles don't need to do all this stuff, right? They just need Jesus. So it's easier for us. Just kidding. Uh, but I want to dive right in. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions? The earth? Question mark. Uh, Paul is thinking out loud right now, right? That God can't ascend unless he's first descended, right? And so Paul is quoting the Old Testament and saying, see, we knew at some point he was going to come down because he had to ascend later, right? He's just defending a little bit. Verse 10. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Amen. Verse 11, let's keep moving. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Until, ready? Look, until we all attain the unity of of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, ready, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Go back one more verse. Can, can, can we sit on this? This is the point of gathering in unity in the church. Like Paul literally just told us the three things. That's why we meet as a church so that we can attain unity in faith and knowledge. <laughs> I know, right? But my theology is different than yours. Yeah, but one of us is right, and we've got to keep going into the Word until we find out who, because there is supposed to be a unity of knowledge, of knowing God, and a unity of faith. To mature manhood. All right, ladies, it's okay. It's just maturity, right? To the fullness to being the man and woman of God that you've been called to be, right? Not, maturity is so crucial to Christianity. Being a passionate 20-something with no wisdom will lead to all sorts of troubles. And being a fully matured man or woman of God with no fire is no good. It's still, it's true. She didn't like that word. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Can we just pause? What is maturity? The fullness of the character of Jesus. Do you know that God calls you? The Bible says, do not forsake the assembly of the saints. Why does God call all of us together? Because we have to challenge each other. We have a work to do here on this earth, but we also have a work to do in each other. I can't do this without you. And you can't do it without me. It takes a village to raise a child. And that's not talking about Sophie and Titus and Isla and Eden and Amelia. Because the Bible, God calls all of us children. Let's talk about Aaron Rosenberg and Ernest Young and Jim and only those three. I'm kidding. Uh, it's talking about all of us, right? That we are the children who need to rise to the fullness of God and God's character. And who he is. Verse 14. We'll keep moving now. So that we may no longer be children. 
tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and the craftiness and deceitful schemes. I feel like that happens to you. You're on fire for the Lord. And then something comes up and it's like, well, I got this and this going on. And I'm just, I guess I can't engage with you. I don't have time. Well, man, I had a really long day last night, so I can't, I can't get with the body and be unified. That wouldn't be wise, Pastor. Well, the unwise thing was staying up until 2 in the morning. <laughs> right? <laughs> I know, it's like, I, I remember a story that was told to me once of a, a man who got his driver's license stolen. And the reason why that's the worst isn't because your driver's license is stolen, but because you know what that means. You have to go to the DMV now. <laughs> you know? And he just like had this moment where I remember him talking. And he's like, and I could have sat on the side of the road complaining that my license got stolen. He's like, but I'm not a child, I'm a man. And so I had to get up and go get a new one. Right? And it's like that thing of like children make excuses, but adults just do what's required. Right? My son's just being such a bad kid. I just don't know what to do about it. That's not a good answer because he's going to go buck wild as he gets older. I have to learn to raise him up in the ways of the Lord. Anyway, um, verse 15. Rather speaking the truth in love. I find people are good at one or the other. I'm just being honest, pastor. Yeah, but you're a jerk. (laughs) Well, I can't tell them that. That wouldn't be loving. You're a jerk. (laughs) Right? Say, look, I love you, and you're amazing. You're called by God, but don't step off that cliff. (laughs) We are to grow up in every way. You always tell me to do stuff. Into him who is the head, into Christ. We grow up into Christ. Maturity is not how long you've lived on this earth. Maturity is how like Jesus you look. Well, pastor, I've been married for 40 years, but all 40 years have been terrible, and you just grew up in a situation where divorce isn't an option because that's the culture you grew up in, right? Like, length doesn't always mean health, right? Health is health. Well, I've been alive for 40 years, and I've had cancer the whole time. It's not healthy. You're here. I'm glad you're here, right? But we know there's a difference between surviving and being healthy. Right? And what I love is the Bible's definition of maturity is not how gray the hairs on your head are. Right? I know there's a verse saying the gray. It's, it's, it's a proverb. Right? It's not literal. It's a proverb. Right? But what is the Bible saying? That wisdom is predicated. Adulthood. Maturity. Manliness and womanhood. Fathership and sonship and, 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 and wifeship. All of it. There is a measuring bar. And that is Jesus. Because it's not I that live, but him that live in me. And if it's him alive in me that I need from the inside pours out. Jesus said that. Right? And so we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Pause really quick. I am a part of the body, and I can't properly grow unless you are also just as unified to it as I am. 
Christianity is not, it's just me and God. It's us and God. So the Bible says, do not forsake the assembly of the saints. Because hear me, this thing is not about you. It is about him and what he wants. And here's what he wants. He wants a unified, perfected body. Not wanderers who have no home, right? Through Ephesians 4, 8 to 16, Paul is teaching that the unity seen in Ephesians 4, 1 to 7, is held together and matured by the gifts he has given to the church. Right? And I love this. And here's why I love this. The context of that verse, Paul quoted, because remember the Bible is quoting the Bible. That is Psalm 68. That Paul is quoting, but he is not directly quoting Psalm 68. He is taking different parts of Psalm 68 and shoving them together and saying, here's the main thesis statement, right? Some people will say that this is quoting Psalm 68, 12, because it's very similar, but it's not what he's quoting. He is quoting the entire Psalm and putting it all together. All right. That's important to understand. Uh, but uh, the context of the Psalm quoted is that God is winning a military victory. Now, this is why it's important, because Paul is in the middle of unity. He's in the middle of loving each other and making each other mature. And he goes, therefore, and he talks about God being a military commander. It's like, what, what's happening, right? Yeah, it's discipline. It's talking about all these things. But here's why it's really important. Uh, they had a, an old style of doing life back in these days. And this is a rule that you see actually in Psalm 68, but you see it in history, right? The military victor has the right to give gifts to those who identified with him. Uh, so basically saying it was very common that after I won some kind of great battle, I would look to my men who fought the bravest and fought the hardest, and I would give them gifts in front of the entire army because it encouraged people to fight that hard the next battle, right? Because I want gifts. It was an old and it was an ancient practice and God is looking at his victory in the church and he says, and just like that, I am giving gifts. And what's crazy about it is the Bible says that the gifts are you guys. The gift is the apostle and the prophet. Hear me, sure, fivefold ministry, I completely agree with it. A pastor is not an elder. That's different. A pastor isn't an office, it's a gift. Elders in office. And some elders walk as pastors. Ernest, it's okay. I'm just kidding. <laughs> He's like, you're saying that I'm not. <laughs> um, <laughs> and know that there's a distinction to this, right? As in nowhere in the Bible does it say, here are the qualifications you have to have to be a pastor. But it does say, here's the qualifications you have to have to be prayed in as an elder. Because elders in office. Elder is what gives you authority. Pastor, apostle. Uh, prophet, teacher, the one I forgot, evangelist. Well, I'm so sorry. That's like the best one. Um, <laughs> um, those aren't offices. Those are gifts. And so as long as you look and say, Pastor Wes is the pastor, so he's the gift, you miss the point that we all have a gift that we're bringing to the table. Right? Because this is what's so crazy is that when God won the military victory, he said, and you know what both of our church needs? I need to save Thomas so that 10 years later, he can become a pastor of that church because he's a gift to this church, right? And, and yeah, and you know what? 
Boulevard Church is going to need someone who can, who can yell at people uh, when it's time to put money in the honeymoon box. So I'm going to save Pastor Eric 40 years in advance. I'm just kidding. <laughs> like 75 years in advance. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm going to save him so that I can get him positioned because he is a gift to the body. Right? And when you got saved, you were saved to Christ, and then he actually gave you as a gift to the church. Because you matter, because you're important, and because you're significant, and because, yes, it is in fact true, we cannot do it without you. We weren't supposed to do it without you. Now, there is a principle in Scripture that should you let go of your calling, God will hand it to another. And I'm not saying you're the only option, but I am saying you were chosen for it. And in the grand story of history and time, isn't that all that really matters? If this is about submitting to God anyway, it's not, well, my ministry. If your ministry in your head, oh man, I'm called to the nations. No, you're not. You're called to those people in that village you got sent to. Right? Man, I'm just called to really just fire the church up. No, you're probably not. Right? We all think we're generals. We're not. We love our sphere with the fullness of who we are. And we love our church, or I got some missionaries in the room, or wherever it is that God sends you. Wherever it is, you love that place and you pour for it because you are a gift to that place. And if you see yourself as bigger than you are, you're going to miss it. But can I flip it on you? If you see yourself as smaller than you are, I'm going to miss it. I need the Zachs who are testing me right now. He's like, just like his phone. He's like, is this good in the, in the Greek? Um, I need the Zachs who will walk up and ask me questions later. <laughs> Christ, this is uh, written by Wolford and Zuck. It's my favorite commentary in the world, and I recommend you get it. That's that. They wrote this, Christ, having captivated sinful people by redeeming them, is now a victor and gives them as gifts to the church. I'll read that again. I know I said it already, but I'm going to read it now because it's more succinct when they do it. Christ, having captivated sinful people by redeeming them, is now the victor and gives them as gifts to the church. And I love that because, again, it's like I took the city, I sacked the city, and I took the gold, and I gave it to the people who I felt battled well. And so now Jesus, who made a spectacle, died on the cross, was put in the grave for three days, resurrected and rose as the victor. What was his spoil? Well, the Bible says that you're his inheritance. You were the spoil, right? And so now that this gift, he looks back, and he starts to give you back. I've said this before. Take a deep breath. Right? That means God's still giving you breath. It means he still has something for you to do. Because I've read in the Bible that the Bible says that God delights in the death of his saints. We don't like that verse, but here's what it's saying, is that God would rather you be with him. So why aren't you right now? If he would rather you be with him, why has he kept you here? There's a purpose for it. Man, I heard the story of a pastor who preached a sermon, got down, sat in the front row, and died. And there are people who are like, oh, he must have preached heresy. It's like, no, he probably preached his last sermon. And now God wanted him home. Maybe he sang his last worship song and God wanted him home. 
Gifts are given through Christ's victory. And I have a question for the church today. Do we honor the gifts that God has given us? And there are two levels to honor a gift. One, you honor the gift that God has given in, in you as a person. A pastor who doesn't have the courage to guide sheep is not a gift to the church. It's selfish. And a prophet who won't speak is not a gift yet. They are a gift. They're there and they're lovely. But it's time to speak. Again, it's like there's this constant balance of I can't look at my ministry as my kind of platform. Well, this church just doesn't really appreciate my gift, so I'm going to go. No, like that's not the point. How do you define appreciation by they gave me a mic and put me on the stage? You will feel like that is a miserable existence. No, but, to the, but if you're called as a prophet to a church, it's probably a lot less to do with the stage and a lot more to do with one-on-one conversations, a lot more to do with moments of prayer, a lot more to do with calling young, younger or older people, depending on where you're at, to coffee and just sitting down and talking with them. And if you're called to be an evangelist, I mean, yeah, on a Sunday, it's cool to have you, but you got to be bringing people in. I'm saying, <laughs> I'm saying. It's a strong evangelistic gift on you. I don't know if you've ever had that said to you. I see it. I'm so sorry. Like, I just like these guys, like, he's never talked to me before. I see that on you. I'm not saying that you are an evangelist on high, but I'm saying, like, I think it's on you. I think, I think more people are soft to you than you realize. I think people think fondly of you, and that I think your words carry weight that you don't realize. And I think God's calling you to speak a little more. I think you'll find, yes, I think you'll find, I think you'll find people are more open to you than you realize. Um... So bouncing straight off that, if the other thing is, do I appreciate the gift in others? When Pastor West pulls you aside and says, hey, you might be doing this wrong. Does that annoy you or are you grateful? You know what I'm saying? When, when you see one of those evangelists looking at you and be like, hey, you should be preaching the gospel. Does that annoy you or are you grateful because they're walking in their gift and they're challenging you to walk like Christ has called you to walk? Because his goal is to make you look like Jesus. Or her goal is to make you look more like Jesus. And Jesus went out and he spoke. Right? It's like we have to stir one another up. And if we make the gift about here are the five special people, then we're going to miss what's actually being said and that we are the special people. So I'm asking, do we honor the gift God has given us both in me? What is my gift and who am I? And in you, what is your gift and who are you? Because you do have something to give and you are respected and you are loved here. Um... Number two, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. If you're not, like, I don't know, like, do it. To quote the Sith Lord, Palpatine, do it. Uh, And this is, like, definitely one of those, like, this is my Bible kind of moments. And I'm sorry because I try not to do this stuff too often. But I do think it's important. Uh, my, My second point for you today is I am a gift and I am gifted. And I just want you to write that down, that you are a gift and you have a gift. And you are both, right? Rosenberg, you love people like I don't see other people love people. And to be honest, I think sometimes it annoys people because they're not used to that kind of love, you know? 
But I don't think it's an indictment on you. I think typically it's an indictment on the person and where they're, where they're at in their life. You know? You're very loving. You're very kind. I wrote this down underneath, I am gifted and I am a gift. Ready? The church will remain stagnant until we all begin having the gifts of God and walking in them. Sorry, not having. Say that again. I wrote this. So it's, it's all gibberish in scribble that I can barely translate. The, uh, the archaeologists hundreds of years from now are going to have a tough time with this one. The church will remain stagnant until we all begin honoring the gifts of God and walking in them. Look, here's the truth. Ultimately, if I don't honor the gift of God right in front of me and you, Sierra, I'm not honoring God. Because can you imagine the slap on the face it would have been if the general, if the, if the king gave something to his general and in front of everyone, he said, I don't want that. And that when God's moving during worship, and it's like, why are these people getting impacted and I'm not? It's probably because they're honoring God and you're not in that moment, right? We miss so much, not because God's not moving, because we're not honoring the movement. And that's so crucial, and it's so key. Listen, uh, I said this in pre-service prayer. I said it before worship, and I'm going to say it again. Josiah, your prayer, it, my pastoring will never be the same. It, seriously, you just said like a sentence, and I'm just like, I've been blown away by it. Um, he said, God, I know that you are already here, but I want you to know that you're invited. And that, that thing of like, I know God is present, but I'm honoring the presence, right? We don't, when we worship, it doesn't make God invade the space. Typically what worship does is make us realize the space has been invaded and it was invaded long before we got here, right? We can't hide from our gift. We can't hide from the, the gifts of others. I have found that if there is someone whose advice you are, you are avoiding getting, they probably have the word for you. Right? They just don't understand what I've been through. That's good. They won't be nice to you then. They'll tell you the truth. <laughs> I've said it before. When I was struggling with drugs and addiction, it wasn't the ex-druggies who helped me. They were too nice to me. It was someone who didn't understand my struggle and said, too freaking bad. It's time to, it's time to move on. <laughs> it, it sucks, but it works. As a pastor, I have consistently been fearful to walk in my own authority constantly throughout my life. I disqualify myself because of the sound of my voice, because I know my sins and I know my struggles, because I know my age and I know my disposition. I know the immaturities that I have in my heart and the immaturities that often come out of my mouth. And all God's people said, uh, I, I, I have often disqualified myself. But listen to me, just because I'm a little buck wild doesn't make me any less authoritative in the gift that God has given me. And, and so it's just like, I got to have like a sorry not sorry moment but you all have to have these sorry not sorry moments and realize dang it though I am gifted yeah. Yeah. and dang it though these people do matter you know what this this they do need to hear this remember we already read it truth and love don't be a jerk but I, I think saying something rude is the equal level of being a jerk is not saying something at all that needed to be said 
So again, just because the jerkiness isn't obvious doesn't mean it wasn't still there. Last and third point, it's funny, I like told you guys halfway through that I had points. <laughs> um, but the third point is, the goal is for the church to look like Jesus. So God gave me as a gift to you so I can help you look like Jesus. And God gave you as a gift to Boulevard so you can help every member of Boulevard look more like Jesus in the ways that you are strong looking like Jesus. Because I'll tell you, when people get sick, it is not my natural inclination to be like, well, let's pray for them. That's actually something I have to fight and decide to do. But some of you, that is your natural inclination. And when you do that, it convicts me to be better. Because I am attentive to wanting to grow. That's why someone can pray a, a prayer and it's going to impact me because I'm looking to know God more. Again, honoring God. It's, it's the head of all this. But after that honor, the goal is for the church to look like Jesus. We are not gifted to elevate our own personal ministry. We are gifted to build others up into three things. The three things are the full knowledge of God and faith, or faith and knowledge of God, the maturity in Christ, and to look like Jesus. Listen, you cannot come into the full faith of Jesus Christ without the gifts of the church. But me and God, well, I really feel like God told me to, well, you know, just, no, we need to honor God. You cannot grow in maturity until you honor the gifts of the house around you. Because that literally what that verse is saying. It's like you need them for this to happen. God isn't even, crediting his, isn't even accrediting his Holy Spirit to you having maturity in Christ. He's accrediting the gifts that he's given you through the people he's given you. In that verse, isn't that insane, the level of unity we see in the book of Ephesians? And lastly, to look like Jesus. I know the Holy Spirit guides us. No, he directs. I'm not trying to underplay him because, again, first and foremost, we have to honor God, right? And so we honor the role the Holy Spirit plays in all this in our lives. But I'm not fully honoring God if I do not honor his gifts. If there is anything you could have written down today, write that down. I am not honoring God until I honor his gifts. And I wrote closer, but I'm probably going to keep talking. But the closer is, we honor God by honoring the gifts he has given us. Amen? Does that make sense? That settle in your heart? Because there's something I, I, I want to say that really... I've had moments, you guys have seen it, maybe little outbursts from the stage and stuff. Uh, when people don't honor the presence of God, uh, it, it, it fires me up. And it makes me angry, right? And that's something I got to give to God because uh, I do think to some degree it's righteous anger, uh, but there's more to it than just that. I know there's some things in me that God is working out. But listen, as self-serving as this may sound, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Waking up and having a hard time. Oh, just, I had a late, late, late night last night and I can't make it to church. It is not a tired issue. It's an honoring issue. Getting into conversations while worship is happening. Hear me. That's not a, oh, I'm just a friendly person. It's an honor issue. You're honoring the wrong person first. Right? I'm not saying that person isn't worthy of honor, but I'm saying God is being worshipped in this place. And how dare we shift it to anything else? We have to honor him first. Right? Because here's what happens to honor. When you have a house that honors the presence of God, for one, I think you'll see him more, right? Because again, it's not that he walked into the room. It's that we're more aware of him in the room, uh, right? And so when we all as a people begin to be so moved by 
what's already present and people start getting impacted, it starts to fester out and other people get impacted. Paul preaches the gospel and he looks out and it says, and he saw a man, he said, and he saw that man had the faith to be healed. And so out of this crowd who preached the gospel, only one person was honoring God. And when he touched that person and that person got healed, that moment opened people's eyes and they all began to honor God, right? It really begins with one person. Sandra, nine times out of 10, you have been that one person in this church. You have, the way you live your life opens people's eyes to how much they should honor God because they don't look at you and go, oh, look at the crazy person. They should, but they don't. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but when they look at you, come to the front. No, I've seen I've seen people look at you, and I've seen people go to their knees. I've seen it so many times because I have the bird's eye view. You, you propel people to honoring God. I think it's because your heart is so pure before him. But when a house honors his presence, sickness isn't an excuse. Suddenly, it's an opportunity for healing. Now, I'm not telling you to come and cough all over people. Don't do that. Be nice. Uh, but sickness isn't an excuse. It's, a, it's, it's, it's to propel us to a healing because I honor God's presence. But, you know, that being said, I mean, if your kid's throwing up or has a fever, don't put him in kids' ministry <laughs> or all the kids will catch RSVB. I'm not saying that did happen, but I'm saying that it might. <laughs> oh, it definitely happened. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, pass. We all made it. We all survived. Thank God. But still, don't do it. Uh, right? But here's what it is. Parents, I want to let you know something. When your kid gets sick, go grab oil, anoint your hands, and pray for your child. Teach them normalize healing in your household. Just like it was honored in the households before us. Normalize prophecy in your household. Let your kids grow up with it being normal. Normalize conversations. But normalize taking care of yourself too. Our church, whenever one person gets sick, everyone gets sick. But then I also see us at like the hangouts and I know like only like two of us eat healthy and work out. And so the rest of you need to do it too. Like this is <laughs> maturity, right? Like, <laughs> sorry, that's been on my heart. I've been thinking about it for like two weeks. I'm like, I just need to say it to the church. Like, just take care of yourself. Um, honor the temple. Apparently, that's good. Yeah. All right. Hallelujah. But it's the same. It's this balance, right? Like, listen, uh, like, Ernest, I, I, something I really have been really respecting about your family. Uh, they have had a great excuse to not be at church, and yet they keep fighting to be here, right? Keep doing it. God will honor that. Keep showing the people around you that even when it's inconvenient, I will show up and I will glorify God. Watch as it impacts people. Amen. I honor you guys for that because I know it's not easy and I know there are times where you just don't want to. But I see you guys do it anyway and I respect it. I respect the heck out of it. I respect the heaven into it. You know what I'm saying? Hallelujah. Um, that you, you, are, you are an example in so many ways. God is refining you and he is maturing you. But you and your wife, your queen, are such examples of prophecy, are such examples of intercession. And honestly, you guys are examples of just honoring the presence of God right? I've said it before. I mean, how many times have you known worship was going because Sadiq was like, oh Lord, or something like that. And you're like, oh God, God's popping off. Hallelujah. Right. And it's like, it, there's an honor. Some people say it's a culture thing. I think it's an honor thing. <laughs> Amen. I'm sorry. I'm just having fun with you guys now. I love you guys. Uh, but like I said, I think it's, it's, it's vastly important that we honor the presence of God and we honor what God is doing. Right. Again, I'm just going to 
just, just gonna brag on people for a second because because I can't. Church was supposed to be over 30 minutes ago. I love all of you. Um, uh, uh, t- today, um, Amelia and Pierce got together stuff, uh, sweaters. This isn't me inviting you. This is just me telling you that they're taking uh, about $1,000 worth of clothing to homeless people. And it's like, it's like if God gives a door, like just taking it, like there, there is something so precious about that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like just the, oh, God gave a door. That's a, that's a form of honor, right? Like I could have done anything with this, but I'm honoring it in the way I'm using what God brought in. Amen. And I respect you for that. And you too, Amelia. I'm grateful for you guys. I'm just that thing of like, when's the church holding an outreach? I don't know. When are you going to do an outreach? You know what I'm saying? Like, again, this thing of like, I need the production and I need the, that's just not what happened. The church saw a need and they're like, I can feel that. You don't need an evangelistic ministry to tell you to go pray for your neighbor. You have the Bible. And I would love an evangelistic ministry in the church, so force my hand. It would be amazing. But right now, we just have a few people who are on fire. So go do your thing and make the rest of us feel bad so we start going with you, right? Stir us up in love. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Amen. And you intercessors keep interceding. And you healers keep praying healing. I want testimonies. John, this is a great chance for me to remind you out of all the callings on your life, it is first and foremost, Pastor. You have wisdom for people. You have love for people. You care enough about the word to bring people truth. And again, just like I said to Ernest, I think God has been consistently refining you. But I have, I have nothing but respect for the, God, the, the call God has put on your life. And I have watched you embracing the challenges that have been placed in your life through parenthood and through marriage. And, and I'm seeing you just like, you care for your kid. It's like... I see so many people wrestle with that. It's like, dude, you're such a good example of a dad. And you're such a good example as a, as a protector. You know? And I do, honestly, with the way the world is right now, I think we need more protectors in the pulpit. More people who it's like, listen, you're going to be mad at me, but this is wrong. There's too much going on in politics and society and in schools for pastors to be flippant. And I think, I think in the words of Pastor John, I think you were called for a time such as this. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, Dear Lord in heaven, help us to honor you. Teach us to honor you. Teach us to honor when you're moving in the room. Teach us to honor when the gifts begin to flow. Teach us to honor those moments of prayer. Teach us to constantly be on the lookout for what it is that you are calling us to do. And teach us to honor that direction. That God, teach us to honor you when you nudge us in the supermarket to go pray for a stranger. Teach us to honor you before bed at night when we look at our children and you hear, God, pray for our kids. God, that when you direct us in individual little things, God, teach us to honor that. Because, God, we know this simple, true fact. You are worthy of our utmost honor and our utmost attention. And I thank you that even in those moments where we're honoring you, it just turns into beautiful moments where your spirit flows. How often doing the work you've called me to do, God, has led me to personal breakthrough in you. God, I thank you that you're constantly guiding I pray for the administrators. Give them wisdom on how to deal with me. And I pray for those who are hospitable. 
I rebuke any attacks against their homes so that they can go back to opening those homes again. God, I thank you that what looks like a sickness wave is just you giving us opportunity for the healers to rise up and walk in their gift. God, teach us to honor what you are doing instead of looking for the bad. In Jesus' name I say, amen.